Coming up next on the Cultural Connections Podcast, keeping our communities safe. We'll be joined by John Carmichael, Chief of the Newton Police Department for Newton, Massachusetts. This episode is being recorded live on Thursday, August 19th, 2021. This is the Cultural Connections Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Brian Ives, and I am the producer and host of the Cultural Connections podcast. Before I introduce our guest today, I want to remind all of our viewers at home that we are recording this episode live on Thursday, August 19th, 2021. This episode is currently being live streamed on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Therefore, if during the broadcast at any time you have a question from home that you would like answered, uh, from our guest, you may comment below on the platform you're watching. Please also be aware that because I can only monitor one platform at a time, we'll be monitoring the Facebook feed first for about 15, 10, 15 minutes into the show, then another 10 to 15 minutes of Twitter, and then another 10 to 15 minutes on YouTube uh, for the last of the part of the broadcast. So without further ado, let me tell you a little bit about today's show. Today's podcast is going to be a discussion about keeping our community safe. Joining me on the podcast is uh, John Carmichael, who is the new Chief of Police for the Newton Police Department in Massachusetts, where we broadcast from. Thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you again. So my first question to you is a simple start off question is let's start off with you telling our viewers a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, well, right out of high school, I went into the military. Uh, I went into the Army where I was for a few years. And then uh, when I got out of the military, I was hired as a dispatcher with the Medfield Police Department. And I worked there for a few years uh, before they hired me as a police officer. Went to the police academy, worked there for a few more years. And ultimately, uh, I transferred to the Walpole Police Department, where I worked for well, the last 25 years. Um, working my way up to being the chief of police there. And, and uh, I was chief there for about six years. I got to the point where I felt like I accomplished all of the things that I uh, had hoped to accomplish while I was there. And then the position for the Newton police chief came up and um, I thought that was a very good fit for me. So I, I applied for the position, went through the, uh, a long process and, and here I am. <laughs> Great. Well, that leads me to my next question. Why Newton? What, what, what interested you in Newton to come here and come for this job? I think um, so. One of my things that I've enjoyed through most of my career was the community engagement side of policing. Um, I always liked to do the investigations and, and the, you know, the street police work type of things, but the community engagement part always is what I got the most desire out of and the, the most, I think, reward from. So when I became a deputy chief in Walpole and then ultimately the chief, um, that's where I put a lot of my focus. So um, put a lot of my focus on the community engagement side, community policing, problem-oriented policing, which is putting a focus on uh, going to the root causes of issues and, and trying to make sure that we do something to prevent things from reoccurring and that type of thing. So Mm -hmm. um, that was really my wheelhouse. So when I saw the application or the, the process um, for Newton, a lot of the things that Newton was looking for were a lot of the things I've always enjoyed doing, 21st century policing, and, and you know, uh, which we've really been practicing here in Massachusetts for the past five or six years. 
community policing, that engagement side of things. Um, that's really, that's what attracted me to it. And um, I said, you know what, it's, I had got to the point in my career where I thought it was a good time for me to try new challenges. And I felt that the Newton um, position would be some good challenges. And uh, that's, that's what got me here. And uh, so far it's been going really well. Great, that's great to hear. Um, now, for the majority of the podcast today, we're going to be talking about, again, the idea of keeping our communities safe. And I know recently here in Newton, a way, right away, a great way for you to start off your tenure as chief here, there's been a recent spike in home break-ins in, in Newton with around, I think it was around five or six recent break-ins around the month of July. Can you give us basically a little bit of an update on where things are today with this uh, issue of home break-ins in Newton? Sure. Well, um, so this year we've had upwards uh, close to 50 house breaks in the city of Newton. That's actually up a little bit from the previous year. Uh, I'm sorry, previous two years, because last year with, with COVID, a lot of people were home. So we didn't experience as many breaks last year. Uh, if you compare us going back to 2019, uh, we're a little bit ahead of where we were at this point uh, in 2019. So our department, um, one of the things that I found in the last eight, nine weeks that I've been here is on the investigative side of things, uh, we have officers and detective bureau that relentlessly follow up on the crime. They're very good at processing scenes. They're very good on the investigative side of things. Uh, and out of the series of breaks that we've had over the last months, several arrests have been made. Uh, in the particular uh, breaks that we're talking about now, uh, we developed uh, some information early on uh, with a suspect involved, uh, thanks to uh, video surveillance and that type of thing. And so we were able to have, a, or not identify, but have a suspect in mind. Uh, we started to kind of push that through our law enforcement channels in hopes that we we're going to be able to identify somebody. Uh, a lot of a lot of investigation, it actually remains fluid still. Uh, we did think that we had some breaks in this case um, over the past few weeks. However, that still hasn't panned out yet. So we continue to, uh, to focus on those breaks. The one thing that, that has happened since then is that um, this, we, did, uh, we didn't get the information out as quickly as we probably should have. But when we did get the information out, it, 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 uh, it's spread enough to the point where um, the breaks have so far stopped. Um, and so there hasn't been any new real activity uh, since, you know, those announcements have been mm -hmm. made. Well, that's very good to hear. Um, then I guess my, my next question to you here is then, what is the Newton Police Department doing to ensure that um, our community is safe and to prevent further break-ins from happening? That's a great question. So we, uh, the prevention side is always very important, right? So a lot of that is the community engagement side. Uh, we, once we got that information up to the law enforcement channels, we started to create bulletins. Um, we did some outreach in the community. So basically what we do is we'll go up, we'll canvas the area where the breaks happen. Uh, we will uh, do what we call knock and talks. We'll go to the neighbor's houses, see if they've had any activity, see if they've seen suspicious persons. And we start to give some crime prevention techniques and information to them. 
that can help them avoid being uh, victimized by you know such such crimes as a as a housebreak. We um, we reached out to our Asian community specifically because a lot of the housebreaks that especially the last five that we had there was a trend in um, commonalities with the housebreaks, but also uh, where the victims were Asian families. Um, so that was very concerning, uh, obviously causing some fear of crime in the community, especially with the Asian community. And so we did some outreach with the community. Uh, we did, unfortunately, because of, you know, we're still in that, that Zoom world, uh, we had a, a nice Zoom meeting um, with primarily the Asian community with, I think we had close to 300 participants and we had some robust discussion on what we've been seeing, uh, what you can do as far as prevention techniques. And um, we've done, a, we, we got through that meeting and we're also planning on doing a follow-up meeting with them, uh, which will be more of a focus on, on crime prevention techniques. And uh, we're gonna be using our crime prevention officers to do that. So. That'll be the next step in that that process. Okay, great, and that sort of, I guess, in a way, ties into my next question, uh, which was going to be about the fact is that, as you mentioned, that five of those break-ins were that was uh, that was one of the commonalities that they were Asian homes that were families that had their homes broken into. Is there anything specific that the Newton Police Department is doing to ensure the safety of our Asian community in the city? Yeah, so uh, one of the other things we do is, is directed patrols. Uh, and, and of course, with directed patrol, what directed patrol is, is that when we have a hotspot, we have an area or a type of uh, series of crimes that are being committed, such as housebreaks, uh, we focus a lot of our resources there. So we do, walk, we do, like I mentioned, the knock and talks, the canvassing of the area, but we also assign those areas as directed patrols. So Offices are out, and I don't want to say we flood the area, but we we put a lot of resources in those areas. Um, some of the things that you won't see are our uh, undercover operations or um, detective operations, where they're also out and they're trying to um, identify any crimes or suspects, that sort of thing. Uh, and um, that's that's kind of been an you know an ongoing thing that's been that's been happening. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, is that, uh, you don't move away from those things, but, uh, other, other situations happen in the city, right? So we've, we've also had other types of things happen like, uh, car breaks and that kind of thing. So it, it, you have to put some of the, as much of your resources as you can towards a certain problem, uh, while you also have to concentrate on some of the other things that continue to happen in the city. So, um, that takes a good balance. Absolutely, no, 100%. Now, in addition to those home break-ins, I, uh, I do know that there was also reports of two other targeted Asian hate incidents that happened in the city recently, one uh, in Newton Center with a piece of art and the other, I forget exactly where in, in the city, but with a, uh, someone, an Asian family who had a sign in their front of your art that said, stop Asian hate, hate that was tossed. Um, what is being, is there anything in addition as well that's being done about these hate incidents that we're seeing specifically as well? Yeah, so those incidents are also investigated. And what one of the great things about the Newton Police Department is, is that, um, as I mentioned earlier, we have a very good detective bureau on the investigation side, but we also have a very good um, 
community uh, resources, a community outreach uh, bureau as well. And within our community outreach bureau, we have officers that are assigned um, specifically to investigate any type of hate crimes or bias crimes or even bias-based incidents uh, that might not you know, reach the criteria of being a hate crime. So um, the officers over there do a tremendous job uh, following up on those types of things. And you're right, we did have those two incidents. Um, that it, it is alarming uh, that people will, you know, go to that length to cause damage mm -hmm. uh, to somebody's property or, um, or even go on somebody's property and, uh, you know, violate their space that way. So we do take it very seriously. Our officers investigate. Uh, we, in these cases, we try to do uh, canvassing of the area again. We tried to process what we had there. We also, uh, we looking for any types of cameras or anything in the area that might help us identify who those people are uh, that might've been involved. And then we make notifications. So we, we um, make notifications within the city where we have a group of people that are on this bias, um, I don't wanna say bias crimes again, but bias um, incidents Mm -hmm. We all get notified of any time something like this happens. And then we also notify uh, the Anti-Defamation League. And, um, and if it's a, it turns out that it's a um, bias-based crime, we notify the AG's office as well as the district attorney's office here in Middlesex County. Absolutely. And before we go further, I want to remind our viewers at home that are watching that we are currently live uh, on Cultural Connections podcast, this with uh, Chief John Carmichael of the Newton Police Department. We are discussing ways to keep our community safe and we are live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you have questions from home, please feel free to comment below on your questions. We're gonna switch over now to our Twitter feed. We were monitoring the Facebook feed and now we're going to move over to the Twitter feed at this time. Um, my next question to you is moving away from these break-ins, and yeah, I understand that this incident I'm about to talk about did occur before your tenure um, as the chief of Newton Police, um, uh, that um, I want, this was an incident that happened on January 5th with a report of a mentally ill man with a knife in, this, in a store in Newton Highlands. Can you remind our viewers, because it was a long time ago, of what happened on that day, and if you're also able to update us on this investigation, and as I said, I understand that this did happen before your tenure as the chief of Newton Police. Yeah, so I mean, unfortunately, um, this is an ongoing investigation. And what happens when in Massachusetts, when there uh, is any type of a death involved, uh, whether it be a sudden death, an unattended death, that type of thing, by statute, the district attorney's office um, has jurisdiction over that. Uh, and so I've obviously, um, as, as the chief here, I've gone through uh, reports and 911 tapes and all of the uh, investigation uh, that has taken place up to this point. Um, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not allowed to comment on that um, because technically the investigation is being conducted by District Attorney Marion Ryan's office. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, uh, you know, right now what's going to happen is the district attorney's office and she has uh, mentioned this, that um, they're going to go the route of, a, of an inquest, uh, which will be a process that goes in front of a judge. Uh, and ultimately um, that judge will have findings and the district attorney's office 
uh, may or may not accept those findings. Um, and then the district attorney's office will notify us when the complete investigation is done. Um, and as you know, as a police department, we, we look forward to that. We look forward to that happening. Um, but right now, uh, I, you know, we're still not in a position where we can comment on it because it is still an active investigation. Absolutely, of course. No, I understand that. Um, another big topic, and not just obviously Newton, but I think you can say nationwide, is about police reform, which has been a hot topic across the country, really in, in recent months, even years for that matter. Can you give us, as a, as a chief, what your thoughts are on this whole topic on police reform? Well, so ironically, over the last, at least as long as I've been a police chief and even before that, policing in Massachusetts has been asking for police reform. Um, believe it or not, the post standards, police officer standards and training, uh, the commission that was created as a result of the um, justice, equality and accountability in law enforcement, the GL Act, which was just passed this past January, um, law enforcement has been asking for those types of standards for years. And um, so now we're at a point where it's, it is in place. And so um, one of the things that I think that a lot of times goes on unnoticed with this is that a lot of places across the country, uh, they have a different level of training, a different level of education for their officers. And um, a different level, I think, of um, progressiveness as far as policing is concerned. So here in Massachusetts, 21st century policing, which was a, a kind of a strategy and a philosophy that was under President Obama, started in 2015. Departments such as Newton and in our area in general have been practicing those tenets. Um, and a lot of that means, you know, so building trust and police legitimacy was one of the big ones. Um, as we know, that's that's what we need to get back to, right? We need to develop those partnerships, develop trust within the community. Uh, some of the other ones are policy and oversight. So that's a big thing with, with these standards is developing appropriate policies and oversight of those policies. Uh, technology is big, community policing and um, crime reduction. Some of the stuff we've been talking here just about the breaks, mm -hmm. uh, engagement, training and the education is very important. And, one of the biggest components that we don't talk about, and I don't think enough, is officer wellness and officer safety. Because um, this job, you know, as you know, I've been doing this for a long time, over 30 years now, uh, and uh, the community, the cumulative effect of policing does cause a lot of stress in in police officers. So it's very important that we um, pay attention to their wellness, uh, you know, throughout their career, so that. Um, they, they're supported in, in some of the things that they have to deal with. So, um, yeah, it's here. Certainly, uh, police reform, post standards are here, uh, you know, and um, that's it. You know, these things are going to start, you're going to start to see some um, new initiatives and things that will come out over the next months. That's great to hear. Uh, my, my next question to you, again, as we move along on the topic in the sort of realm of police reform is an incident that a nationwide incident that I think many uh, that sparked this a lot of this discussion and sparked a big discussion, which was specifically the incident that occurred 
uh, in Minneapolis on May 25th, 2020, where George Floyd, a 46-year-old Black man, died during his arrest. This incident sparked a nationwide discussions on racial profiling with and with police officers' use of force. Can you give us, um, our viewers, your thoughts on this issue and what the appropriate action is? Sure. Uh, so that's an example of uh, a situation where police officers were not well trained. There were not good policies in place uh, to address situations like that. And the whole the entire situation um, is tragic and it was atrocious as to how those officers handled that situation. And I'll be honest with you, as a police chief, many times, like when you see situations that happen in other parts of the country and you're not really privy to all the facts and the circumstances of it, we don't typically speak out about it because there's a lot of things we may or may not know. Uh, with that particular case, I know we, I was a Walpole then, but um, I was very vocal about it. I, I saw what happened and I think I was probably one of the first police chiefs in Massachusetts to come out publicly about it and denounce what they did um, and, and denounce how that situation was handled. And I can tell you that the vast, vast majority, if not all, police officers or people in law enforcement um, support that idea that uh, that was an atrocious, awful act that took place. And um, it really, it, it, it hurt all of us, you know, uh, mm -hmm. even though those were the actions of a few officers that had an impact on, on all of us. And um, that, that, you know, that case is, it's going to go down as being a game changer for all of policing to kind of take a step back and, and look at what's going on. And really those are the things that are kind of gonna, that are gonna come into place uh, with post standards and our, how we our use of force and a duty to intervene uh, when an officer believes that um, excessive force is being used. So um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, one of the things when I, when I was in Walpole, um, there was a, a kind of a, not too long after it, there was a support the police type of thing. And um, that took place uh, at the police station, but, um, and I appreciate that, but it was also a time for me to use that as a time to recognize some of the things in policing that we need to fix. And um, so we're gonna work towards doing that um, here in Newton, but also uh, across Massachusetts. Yeah, absolutely, that, that's, that's great to hear. Um, now, switching back on to our specifically Newton focus, uh, let's talk about specifically the fact as a new chief for the Newton Police Department, what are your goals and objectives in improving the Newton Police Department? Uh, that's great. Um, oh my gosh, a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so first coming here, right? Um, I mean, uh, we have the Newton Police Reform Task Force. Uh, who was a, a group of people that came together uh, following the George Floyd incident that came up with a bunch of robust recommendations for the police department. Um, we have already started to implement some of the, the recommendations from that task force report. Um, Mayor Fuller has been um, uh, so helpful and supportive of me uh, as I transitioned into this position as well as members of the department. Um, in Mayor Fuller's budget outcomes, she addressed a lot of the issues that had come out of the task force report, put those recommendations into her um, budget outcomes. So we have a good area to focus on and a good direction to start following um, 
because you know with community policing one of the first tenets of community policing is allowing the community uh input and setting the agenda so what we do you know and it, that that's part of that message should come from the community and that's happened so we have a good compass to follow now and um you know those are going to be that's what we're going to try and do to the best of our ability um and we have a tremendous uh group of police officers uh civilian staff here in the department and it's actually i'm actually excited about taking some of these things and, and improving the department in every way i can community engagement is going to be a big thing we've already started some programs there um we need to make sure our officers are well trained they're well equipped so we're working on any deficiencies we have there and um you know i think what we'll just in the past eight or nine weeks we started to head in the right direction we're going to continue to that's great no that's great to hear uh before we go further i want to remind our viewers at home that are watching that we are recording that this is the cultural connections podcast we are recording this episode live on thursday august 19th 2021 we're talking about keeping our community safe and uh, what needs to be done in order to do that and we're joined today by chief john carmichael of the newton police department newton massachusetts um I, as you just talked about, I mean, with the community piece to this, and I had read that a few weeks ago, the Newton Police Department had launched a community policing initiative used to reward children for good behavior when noticed by a police officer. Can you tell us a little bit more about that new initiative that I think just recently started? Sure. So that particular um, community engagement program is called Positive Tickets and Catching Kids Doing Right. And what that is, it's a, it's, it's kind of designed to be an icebreaker. So when, um, you know, it's pretty easy to drive around the city or walk around the city and come across kids that are doing good things, positive things, right? Like using the crosswalk, wearing their bike helmet, um, walking their dog for the, you know, the family dog, um, just random acts of kindness that might be observed by a police officer during their tour of duty. So it's, you know, you're out there and, um, what we have to do is partner with the other good thing about it is we're partnering with um, businesses in the community. And the first one was Cabot's ice cream. Uh, Joe from Cabot's ice cream was, uh, was uh, jumped right forward with us and he wanted to get involved with the, the program. And so we worked with him and we came up with the tickets and we've been uh, issuing those out to officers, including myself. I get out there and do them myself and, uh, if we catch a kid doing something good in the community, we'll stop them uh, and we'll write them a positive ticket uh, that they can use to redeem at, uh, at Cabot's right now. And, and there's going to be other um, partnerships in the community that are going to come forward as well. So, uh, so far it's doing really well. I think it's going to continue to kind of snowball um, and be a good program. Yeah. That's great. That's great to hear. Uh, again, um, uh, you sort of mentioned this into the previous, not this previous question, but the question before that about goals and objectives. But I'd, li I'd like to elaborate. You have to elaborate a little bit further. If you, let's say you're still with as Newton's chief of police, hopefully 10 years from now, where do you expect yeah. the police department 10 years from now? Um, oh, oh, better off than when I got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the number one thing you want. You always want to, you know, your legacy has to be that you're you've made improvements. Um, you know, there's as I talk to our younger officers, our dispatchers, our civilian personnel here in the department, um, they all uh, they all want to get on board. They, they're very excited, I think, to um, 
move the department into the 21st century policing. Uh, I think they're very uh, interested in, in progressing the department forward uh, and making positive change. Um, some of that's culture change, it's things that, um, you know, as you assess it, there's things that we can do better, we can get better at. We should always be trying to strive to get better at everything we do. Uh, and I think that um, once I have buy-in from everybody and, and we're working on it, I think we, we have that now pretty much, but uh, we'll be able to together move the department into the future and make a lot of positive improvements with it. And um, I'm very confident that we're gonna be able to do that. Um, you know, just coming in here, I'm very amazed at a lot of the people here, great people and, and, and um, their capabilities and their dedication and investment in the community is just um, outstanding. So I look forward to that and um, it's gonna be exciting. It's, uh, it's gonna be an exciting thing to do. One of the other things too, is I don't know if uh, you know, we, we were um, applying to get a, uh, a community resource doc. Mm -hmm to also help with our community engagement. Um, so that's gonna be a good program too. That's great, that's great. Well, the whole focus on this podcast has been really to be talking about how we can keep our community safe. And we talked at the beginning about how, uh, what the police department is doing to keep our community safe. What would be your biggest recommendations to residents on their safety? How do they keep them safe from in these types of burglaries that we've seen? or these hate incidents that we've seen? What is your recommendation? So cohesiveness is very big, right? The strongest communities are always the communities that come together to solve problems. Uh, I think we all recognize that um, the police are never gonna be able to deal with all of the, the problems we have to deal with alone. So the, that's why the community policing side, community engagement, uh, creating strong partnerships, being able to create trust between the police and the community is very important. Um, so we need to establish a, a culture where people feel like they have a voice and they're part of the process in reporting uh, any type of criminal activity or suspicious activity, or even with uh, some of the, the social issues we deal with, um, getting rid of the stigma so that people feel safe uh, and they feel comfortable involving the police or our clinician or um, the services that we have to offer, you know, like the people that are suffering from substance use disorder or that might be a mental health issue. Um, something where uh, traditionally, I think people, um, there's stigma there and, and families sometimes are reluctant or they, or they um, don't immediately get the resources that are available to them quick enough. And so, um, that's where that's where we can we can really make a difference. Um, police and the community having strong partnerships, good communication back and forth, uh, and that alone uh, is probably the biggest, best crime prevention strategy that we can use. Yeah, no, that and that's great. I, I mean, I think it's very uh, very important to everything that you had just said. Um, in our final few minutes here, I, I would ask you more, I mean, uh, along the lines of safety, I mean, 
is, is, again, as our topic is on this, I, I know from my own household that we have a ring doorbell. What, what is the uh, the best way for residents, would you say, or or people like us in general to say, to protect their own homes from these break-ins that we've seen? What is your best way? Very good questions. So um, there's a lot you can do. Uh, so specifically what we're talking about, safeguarding your home, right? Um, there's like you just said the ring cameras those are very those are a very good um, tool to have that people can can purchase and not a, they're not very expensive either a lot of homes um, that I, I have found in Newton have uh, some type of uh, camera system uh, that they have we do have here at the department uh, a uh, a sign-up system and I, I don't I don't want to scare people away with saying we have a sign up system because the sign up system is just used not that the police are watching cameras, but that if there is a crime or something takes place in a neighborhood, we have a registry of people that we could reach out to uh, and see if they have cameras that might help in an investigation. Uh, and that's th th that has come in handy several times already where we've had. Um, criminal activity take place and because people had some type of cameras in place we were able to um, identify a suspect and so that's happened several times just since I've been here but there's a lot of things you can do uh, as well as uh, just just a um, risk awareness risk reduction techniques like uh, making sure you lock your doors making sure you lock windows making sure that um, you, you notify neighbors if you're going to be leaving and going away. You can notify the police department. We actually have a going away form uh, in case anything happens. We can get a hold of people. Uh, there's uh, like surveillance systems, alarm systems. There's uh, a lot of uh, communication is very big. So when a neighborhood notifying your neighbors is, is a good thing, uh, especially um, if you're going away, you know, on vacation or something like that. Uh, you can let people know. And um, so that's part of what, what I was mentioning earlier with the community uh, engagement um, awareness that we're going to be doing. That's kind of like what we're going to be focusing on, just some of the um, ways to safeguard the home. As I drive around, um, in, and actually when after some of the breaks happened, I went up to one of the neighborhoods. I did a walk and talk. I talked to some of the residents. And we actually pointed out some of the things like very high bushes and shrubbery that block windows, um, high fences that go up and around the backyard, which are great for privacy, um, but it's very difficult if someone were to, you know, jump that fence uh, in order to commit a crime or something like that. So little things like that, cutting down on the shrubbery so you can see, you know, you can see the, the house where there's not a lot of areas to hide or conceal themselves. It can be very important, that can be effective. You know, usually when criminals are trying to target a certain area or a certain um, home, they're going to look for the targets that are less uh, likely to, to be detected, right? So um, those are just some of the things that I can think of right now. Absolutely. No, those are great tips. And it's hard to think that we are already down at the end of the uh, podcast. These things fly by. Yeah, we quick, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to thank uh, Chief Carmichael again for joining us today on the Car on the Cultural Connections podcast. If you have ideas for future episodes of the podcast, feel free to reach out to me directly. You can email me at brianives at gmail.com. That's B-R-I-A-N. 
IV as in Victor, ES at gmail.com. And I am open to all suggestions for the uh, Cultural Connections podcast. If you had a question that you'd like answered that you did not get answered, that you did not get a chance to answer today, get to ask on the live podcast and you have the ability to watch either on our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or if you're even watching after the live on Instagram, come below your questions and we'll make sure we get them answered for you at a future time. Uh, That said, again, I want to thank Chief Carmichael for joining us today and we'll see you again next time on the Cultural Connections podcast. Thank you again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch this episode again in its entirety on our YouTube channel. This podcast is also available on listening platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Radio Public, and New TV. Thanks again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections Podcast.